Um, Heavenly Father, I just thank you for this morning that we can all be together online um, to hear your word and to listen to your word and to learn uh, more about you uh, in this service. Lord, I just pray you bless uh, our speakers and that you speak through them and that you open up our hearts to learn and to receive from you this morning, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Okay, so the first verse, the first passage we're reading is from Jeremiah 22, verses 13 to 17. And I believe the context here is uh, Jeremiah is speaking um, with regards to the king called Jehoiakim, who is uh, not a very good king at that time. All right, so verse 13. Woe to him who built his palace by unrighteousness, his upper rooms by injustice, making his countrymen work for nothing, not paying them for their labor. He says, I will build myself a great palace with spacious upper rooms. So he makes large windows in it, panels, panels it with cedar and decorates it in red. Does it make you a king to have more and more cedar? Did not your father have food and drink? Did, he did what was, just, what was right and just, so all went well with him. He defended the cause of the poor and the needy, and so all went well. Is that not what it means to know me, declares the Lord. But your eyes and your heart are set only on this dishonest gain, on shedding innocent blood and on oppression and extortion. So that's the first passage. Now I'll move on to the next passage, which is Habakkuk verses 1 to 4, chapter 1. The oracle that Habakkuk the prophet received. So Habakkuk's complaint. How long, O Lord, must I call for help, but you do not listen? Or cry out to you, violence? but you do not save. Why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrong? Destruction and violence are before me. There is strife and conflict abounds. Therefore, the law is paralyzed and justice never prevails. The wicked hem in the righteous, so the justice is perverted. And this is the word of the Lord. Have you ever wondered uh, why God permits certain things to happen? Why does God allow evil and suffering to occur? If God is all loving, if he is in all control, if he is in all powerful, he's present everywhere and every time. Why, if all those things are true, why does he permit great evil and suffering to happen? Like COVID-19, why has God let COVID-19 take place? Uh, why is he letting it happen? We might have thought this ourselves. We might have been asked this question. Where is God in this time? Thousands of people are dying each day. And then it's just in the developed world. What is going to happen when it hits countries where there's already mass poverty, starvation, under-resourced healthcare? How can God allow COVID-19 to happen? We might have had similar thoughts with some of the recent laws that were passed in Victoria. How can God allow abortion, euthanasia, same-sex marriage? How could God allow them to be legalised? Doesn't God love truth? Doesn't he preserve the truth? Shouldn't he have prevented these laws from passing? And then there's the anguish uh, of faithful Christian married couples who are unable to have children. Despite many tests, many approaches, even IVF, nothing, just sadness and pain. Where is God then? And yet during a one-night stand, a woman falls pregnant and aborts yet another unwanted child. How can God let this happen? 
And then there's our church. How can God allow the situation that we have endured for the last 18 months to continue to drag on? Sure, God said, he has said that he will build his church. And yet I feel all we have experienced of ladies say goodbye to friends. It hurts. It sucks, doesn't it? If there is great evil in this, if there is injustice and guilt that has happened, why doesn't God just deal with it once and for all and bring this to a close? And then there's the atheists who deny the existence of God. And, and, and whose anti-God ideas seem to make traction in society. How, how can God allow that to happen? And then there's those within the church, church leaders around the world who deny the gospel, who are even worse than those people who deny Jesus because they teach things that are contrary to God as if they were from God. Why does God not strike them dead as they utter their blasphemy and they deny the faith Uh, we believe. You see, where is God in all of these situations? How can God tolerate such wickedness and evil? And if God's in control of all things, which we hold to be true, how can he allow this to happen? Well, the book of Habakkuk has a lot to teach us uh, in in relation to these, these questions. And while we might think, what's some old book written in the 7th century BC, written by some dead dude, what's that got to do for us today? How's that relevant for us today? Well, actually, quite a lot. Because he calls out to God with the similar questions uh, that we may have today. And so my challenge to you over the next little while is, so we're going to read this book over five weeks Start reading over the book. We're, we're doing it out as discipleship teams. There's always time to, to still join a team if you would like to join a team, uh, if you're not already part of one. Uh, but to read over the book, read over it several times and, and mine it for its gold that you'll find within. It is really a, a great book. Now, you might be wondering why we're looking at this book because uh, it's not a book myself personally. I've never heard talks on it. I've never been part of a Bible study where we've ever done that. I've certainly read the book, but never dug deep into its riches. But the reason why I think it is so helpful and so relevant for us today is that it speaks about how to relate to God in times of suffering. How do we relate to God in times of suffering? And that is just so relevant in light of COVID-19 and and many other things that we will face in life. But before we think about the book of Habakkuk uh, and what that means for us here today in Melbourne, we actually need to understand Habakkuk in its own setting. And so although we're going to look at the first uh, four uh, verses uh, that Jesse read for us today, uh, we're actually also going to do a bit of background to help us understand a bit of the book uh, in its its context. And we're going to look at it over, uh, we'll look at at this in two sections. We'll look at the prophet and we'll look at the problem. The prophet and the problem. First up uh, is the problem. No, sorry. First up is the prophet. <laughs> First up is the prophet. Um, let's have a look at that, uh, the opening uh, verse there. The prophecy that Habakkuk, the prophet, received. Well, what do we know about Habakkuk? Well, nothing, actually. We know almost nothing about him. We don't know his family. We don't get a bit of a family history, a bit of a family tree, as his name's mentioned there. Nothing. He's not even mentioned in other parts of the Bible. 
all that we know about him is found in this one small uh, three-chapter book. Um, he was a prophet who, in that opening verse, he saw a prophecy or an oracle, depending on tra- your translation. And he wrote that down for us, uh, for us to read. The timing of, of this being written is at the end of the 7th century BC. That is, he's a pre-exilic prophet. That is, he spoke to Judah uh, before the Babylonian exile. And so he wrote at a similar time to some other prophets like, uh, like Jeremiah, <coughs> uh, which is why uh, Jesse read some Jeremiah for us earlier. So, that, so that's a bit about the, the prophet uh, Habakkuk. But to understand him better, to understand his message that he writes, we actually need to have a bit of a historical context. We actually need to understand the back history of what's happening at various times uh, in, that, in that time. And so let me give you a really brief history uh, of Judah. King David, he was the greatest of, of all kings. Uh, he reigned for, for <coughs> over all of Israel for a thousand years. Uh, and then he, after he died, David died, and his son Solomon, he took to the throne. Uh, but Solomon, because of his sin, uh, he followed other gods. God punished him, and he said, well, your kingdom will be split. Because of your sin, the kingdom will be split uh, in two. <clears throat> and that took place in uh, 922 BC. Now, the kingdom split into two. And up north, there was Israel. Down south was, was Judah. Up north was Israel. They were the bigger half of, of 12 tribes. I think I've got another picture there with a map. If you want to show that, you can kind of see that the pink. The pink, that is uh, uh, Israel. They're up the north. Uh, even though that map's talking about something else, I think it, uh, a different time slightly, you can kind of see the idea there. Up north, that is Israel. But we're actually looking at Judah today in the orange. We're going to uh, have a look at Judah. They were the smaller half. They only had two tribes, two of the tribes. And it's through the line of, of Judah that all the promises of God's promised future king, uh, that is the line, that is Jesus. Those lines come through Judah. Now, Judah, uh, as, a, as a nation, had a great mix of kings. The majority of the kings were evil. They did uh, what was evil in the sights of the Lord. If you ever read through the histories of the, of the, of the Judean kings or the kings of, of Israel and Judah, you'll kind of see this repetition of he did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, evil in the sight of the Lord, evil in the sight of the Lord. So the most were, were evil. There were a couple of kind of average kings who they did things that were right in the ways of the Lord, but they didn't actually get rid of and destroy the false gods and pagan gods that, that people still worshipped at that time. And then there was an even smaller number of kings. Uh, these kings were great they did what was right in the ways of the Lord. They destroyed and teared down false worship and false, false gods that happened. They, they led the people in reform and they instructed the people, God's people, like they were meant to do in the ways of God. One of these kings was uh, Josiah. Josiah brought great reform. He humbled himself and he trembled at God's word. But after he died, well, his sons uh, took to the throne. First, the first son was Je- 
Jehoahaz. Uh, and after three months on the throne, uh, some funny business kind of happens with Pharaoh, the king, of, uh, the king of Egypt. He kind of somehow imprisons him and then places his brother as king. It's kind of a funny business. Uh, but Jehoiakim was, in, was installed in place of his brother by that same Pharaoh. And so you think if your brother kind of lets that kind of happen, the brotherly rivalry must have been pretty intense with each other. They probably threw rocks and other kind of crazy stuff at terrible brothers relating. Don't do that, boys. Uh, anyway, Habakkuk writes uh, during Jehoiakim's reign. Now, now, some people like to think of Jehoiakim as the Korean king of Judah, but everyone saw him as evil he did what was evil in the sight of the lord and so all of his fathers were a form it was flushed down the toilet jehoiakim led the people to do great evil in the eyes of the lord and we get a picture of jehoiakim uh well we did get a bit of a picture of him in that first bible reading your eyes and your heart are set on dishonest gain on shedding innocent blood and on oppression and extortion. But see, it's not just the king who treated people poorly. It's the other leaders as well, like the priests and the prophets. They also followed in the king's footsteps. We see that in, in another passage in, uh, in uh, Jeremiah 23. The prophets follow an evil course and use their power unjustly. Both prophet and priest are ungodly, even in my temple. I find their wickedness, declares the Lord. You see, Jehoiakim was a ruthless, selfish, dishonest, oppressing, arrogant king. He disregarded God and his word. He saw in, uh, as we saw in DTs this week, as Alan's already mentioned, Jehoiakim received direct word from God with the hope that he might uh, repent and and, and listen to God's word. But what does he do? Well, he he rips it up and he burns it. He has no regard for God. He has no fear of the Lord. And it's in light of the situation of what's going on with Jehoiakim, his leadership, that is the situation in which Habakkuk writes his letter, or writes, and in it, he, he calls out to God. He speaks to God about the problem he saw. We've seen that Habakkuk, uh, he's a prophet and he spoke, uh, he's a pre-exilic prophet. He spoke before the Babylonian exile. Uh, and when Jehoiakim uh, was king of Judah. And as we continue reading through uh, Habakkuk, uh, we actually see see the problem have a look there from verse two how long lord must i call for help but you do not listen or cry out to you violence but you do not save why do you make me look at injustice why do you tolerate wrongdoing destruction and violence are before me there is strife and conflict abounds therefore the law is paralyzed Injustice never prevails. The wicked hem in the righteous so that justice is perverted. You can 
do you see what uh, Habakkuk's problem is? He doesn't understand how God's revelation, how God's word matches his experience. How does God's word and the promises he make, uh, sorry, I've just, oh, that's, oh, I've just lost something. <laughs> uh, how does God's word uh, and his promises he makes, you know, that he's a holy and righteous in character, that he hates sin and uh, evil, that the guilty will be punished. How do those truths and punishments of life, how does that fit with Habakkuk's experience? How does it fit with the evil and violence and destruction that Habakkuk saw in light of Jehoiakim's reign? And so how does Habakkuk and, and us really, how do we hold the promises of of God's character in line of what we see when we see great evil and injustice and suffering and violence. Well, Habakkuk, he calls out to God. What he does is he complains God's word to him. Father God, you hate injustice and wrongdoing. And so why are you allowing this evil to happen, God? And Habakkuk, he was concerned for God's reputation here. He felt that God's reputation was at stake because the king would probably thought that he was getting away with it and kind of getting away with doing evil. And so uh, he was concerned that he was kind of mocking God in this process. He was, Habakkuk was concerned for God's reputation. And we see here that there are, two things that are really puzzling the prophet. Uh, the first is God's time scale. How long, Lord, must I call for help, but you do not listen? Or cry out to you violence, but you do not save? He was puzzled by God's time scale. How long are you going to wait? How long will you put up with this for? The second was God's tolerance. Verse three, why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? Destruction and violence are before me. There is strife and conflict about. You see, God, how can you tolerate this great evil and injustice of King Jehoiakim? You see, Habakkuk was seeing the collapse of the economy, food shortages, social violence and injustice, a disregard for God, God's law. And that's exactly what we're seeing around us, is it not? A collapse in the world's economy, unemployment rising rapidly, food and toilet paper shortage, social injustice and a complete disregard for God and his word. You see, these were the puzzles for Habakkuk, and they're really the same for us. How can an all-knowing, all-powerful, morally good God leave the guilty unpunished? How can he let this kind of thing happen around us? Well, we'll get to see God's answer in the coming weeks, and so by all means, please do uh, read ahead. Uh, we have seen that uh, the, the, the first issue here, the first problem for him is that 
his experience, what he's seeing around him, doesn't match in what he knows from God's word. Well, the second thing we can see is that I reckon we've got to learn from Habakkuk's example. He saw great evil, great injustice, great suffering. And what does he do about it? Well, he calls out to God. He took the problem to to the Lord. He poured out his heart. He spoke with God about it. You see, we've got to learn from Habakkuk's example. You see, how do you respond when you see great evil, injustice, suffering? Do you whinge about it with your mates? Do you uh, get into endless debates on social media? Do you just flick on the telly and the news or whatever so that you don't have to think about it? Or do you, like Habakkuk, bring it to the Lord? Do you pour out your heart to the Lord? Do you speak to him about it? You see, Habakkuk teaches us that it is okay to complain God's word to him. Uh, we saw a couple of weeks ago to let our prayers be shaped by God's word and, and God's word to shape our prayers. And as, as we see inconsistencies in our experience with what God's word says, well, Habakkuk shows us that, that we can complain God's word to him. We can cite God's word in order to complain that God seems to be forgetting his word. He allows us to be honest and specific in naming the situation that is painful, wrong, unjust, because it doesn't seem to align with God's word and his character. And so let's learn from Habakkuk and, and bring our concerns to the Lord. You see, Habakkuk was in a really unique position as a prophet of God. He hears back from God, as we'll see in the rest of the book. There's this dialogue between Habakkuk and God. But see, we don't get that today. But God does speak through his word, through his son. And so we need to mine its riches and, and, and learn to, to understand why these things might be happening to us. And so why might God not stop great evil and suffering we see around us? Why does God delay in answering? Why does he prolong suffering and violence? Well, it could be any number of many, many things, really. Uh, you see, God could be using uh, suffering and, and hardship to reveal the sin within our lives, to, sh to reveal our selfishness and disobedience. He might be using it as a time to wake us up from sin so that we would turn to Christ. God might be using it to, to help us trust him, to help, to help us long for Christ and his return in the coming kingdom. And so it's no wonder that we see again and again the need to wait on the Lord, to be patient in tribulation and affliction. You see, we won't always know why something is happening now. But we can continue to trust God in this time because God delays, God's delay actually means salvation. You see, as, as God delays writing 
all wrongs in, in, in final judgment, well, actually, that leads to the salvation of many. <clears throat> we see that in 2 Peter. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some, are in the, uh, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. You see, God's delay means many more people are coming to salvation. And so when people ask, why doesn't your God do something about the suffering and COVID-19? Well, we can tell people that he has done something. And it's what we celebrated last week as we remembered Jesus uh, taking evil and rebellion and judgment seriously. You see, he doesn't lower the bar of, of judgment and wrath as Jesus took the place of humanity on the cross. You see, Jesus died facing all of God's wrath and judgment in light of all our wrongdoing. And you see, he is doing something. He is showing kindness to those who deserve judgment and wrath, his righteous anger and leading people to repentance. What a merciful God. You see, if he had ended all things uh, last week, how many people who were saved in the last week wouldn't be included? They would be dead in their sins. Those who were saved five years ago or 15 years ago, I was saved. If, 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 if God came 15 years ago, well, I would be dead in my sins. 30 years, 100 years. We would all be dead in our sins. But you see, God shows his kindness in delaying his return for the salvation of others. You see, God is doing something. Habakkuk shows us that God's in control of history. He's in control of history then, and he's also in control of history now. And the events of the world, the things that are happening around us, well, they are all tied to God's purposes and kingdom. And so we need to remember his eternal purpose and kingdom and the good news of salvation to those who believe. Because you see, Jesus is king and he reigns over all. We need to focus on the son who triumphed over death in the resurrection who ascended into heaven, who seats now at the Father's right, right hand, reigning over all. And he will return in wonderful glory. And while that will be a time of judgment for those who do not believe, uh, his delay now is to the salvation of others. And so all the things that bring us heartache, uh, pain, suffering, COVID-19, church, work, sickness, confusion, disappointments. We've got to remember that God knows the pain we're going through. He is the God of mercy and comfort. And as we suffer greatly uh, and see the great suffering in the world around us, Let's learn from Habakkuk and call out to God, how long, Lord, must this go on? And while we may not know the answer now, we are comforted in knowing that God will never let us go. 
You see, God is still on his throne, still ruling and reigning over all of his creation. And as we've seen in John's gospel, he will eventually bring us home to him. How wonderful those truths are in light of the circumstances we find ourselves in. Uh, let's, let's pray, shall we? Let's pray. Father God, we give you great thanks uh, for the privilege we have to be looking through the book of Habakkuk this uh, over the next few weeks. We do pray that we will be able to learn from him uh, of being able to call out to you in the difficulty and hardship and suffering that we face as individuals, but as a society and around the world. Father, help us complain your word to you, uh, that we can might see the things that don't seem quite right and to, to, to bring that to bear uh, uh, within our prayers. But we do pray that we will trust you within that, that your delay actually means the salvation of many and that you might be using uh, times of suffering and, and hardship to refine us and grow us in the faith, uh, to lead us to repentance and to, to, speak, to speak of you to others. Father, please uh, help us do this uh, well in a way that brings you honour and glory. Father, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.